I asked a question in the email that I sent out on Tuesday, and the question was, when was the last time you did something for the first time? When was the last time you did something for the first time? Tried something new, experienced something new, went someplace new, and I got a lot of responses from you. One person said that the last time they tried something new was zip lining, you know, flying across on one of those lines. And they said that that had actually inspired them to try other new things. And so they've gone to new places, they've always tried something new. That was a wonderful response. Another person said, for the first time this year, they have prayed about their political choices. And that's a wonderful thing to do for the first time. Two of you said you rode on airplanes for the first time. One person said they went to Florida for the first time. One person said they graduated college. And yet another person said that for the first time ever, they rooted for the Cubs. (laughs) You did good. You chose a good year to do that. My favorite response came from Macy Vanderport, who uh, through her mother I got her first time, she told, she told a friend about Jesus for the first time. Isn't that great? Nine years old. She told a friend about Jesus. That friend came back and said, you know what you said was true? And they went to church with another friend and they liked it. And thank you so much for doing that. I wish we all had that first time. Not all firsts were pleasurable experiences. and Some of them were difficult some were heartbreaking. One first, a friend messaged me and said, I quit my job. It was a very tough decision. Another person said, I cut the negative people out of my life. And I got another message from a friend that same day who said, I signed the divorce papers today. When was the last time you did something for the first time? I want you to keep that question in mind this month. This month we are looking at the story of the exodus, of God's people leaving Egypt, uh, leaving the bondage of Egypt where they have been mistreated as slaves and entering into their independence. But at the same time, they are also leaving the security of Egypt where they had homes, where they were fed, where they were cared for and protected and entering into their dependence upon God. What happens when that thing that you are doing for the first time is following God somewhere new? What happens when it calls for a greater commitment than you had thought yourself capable of? We're going to begin the story actually in Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 22. If you're using those Bibles there in the pew, it's on page 55. If you brought your own Bible, it's the second book of the Bible. You've got Genesis, and then you've got Exodus. If you've got a phone or a tablet with you, we encourage you to follow along there. In fact, we've got all the notes for you in the U version of the Bible. If you pull up the events, you'll find all of those notes under Kansas Christian Church. We're picking up the story. The story's already begun. We're picking up the story right after the ten plagues. Some of you remember the ten plagues. The Nile turns to blood. There's the plague of frogs. There's the plague of gnats. There's the plague of flies. There's the plague where all the cows die. There's the plague where the people get boils. There's the plague where everything, uh, fire and and hail comes down from heaven. There's the plague of the locusts. There's the plague where the land turns dark. And then the final plague, the plague uh, of the killing of the firstborn, where the firstborn children 
die. And Israel celebrates for the first time what becomes known as the Passover, what's continued to call, be called the Passover to this day. They've already left in Exodus chapter 13. They've taken off. They've run in the middle of the night. They've made that commitment. They are leaving. They are getting out of Dodge. But here they are where we pick up with them. They're in the wilderness. They're getting close to the Red Sea. But what are they going to do? Do they have what it takes to keep going even when times get rough? And I I think that's where we find ourselves far too often. You You wouldn't be here today if you hadn't made some kind of commitment to God. You may not call yourself a Christian, and maybe you haven't completely sold out to Him, but but you're here, just like them. They, They were there. Or maybe you have been here a long time. Maybe you made that commitment a long time ago, but do you have what it takes to make that next step of faith to greater commitment and greater reliance upon God? You see, that can't begin with us. It can't be our commitment first. It must be about God's commitment to us first. And what we see in this story is that God knows our capacity for faithfulness better than we know ourselves. Now, to understand what's happening in this story, you have to go back about 400 years. You have to flip back one book previously to the book of Genesis, and you have to look at the life of a man named Joseph. Joseph was a man uh, who was betrayed by his brothers, who was sold into slavery, who ends up down in Egypt and then ends up being the second in command of the entire nation of Egypt. He is second only to Pharaoh. It's not a story of overnight success. It is a story of years and years in prison, years and years of waiting, and years and years of never giving up hope. But it was Joseph who got the people into Egypt 400 years earlier, where they were given the best of the land, They were treated like royalty. They were honored until the Bible tells us a new Pharaoh arose who didn't know Joseph. And the people of Israel become slaves. They become mistreated. And for 400 years, they cry out to God for help. 400 years later, God answers those cries. He sends Moses to set his people free. But I want you to think about that. 400 years 400 years of slavery, 400 years of oppression, 400 years of being beaten and living under the rule of foreign gods and kings. But God was there even in those darkest times, just like He's with you even in those darkest times. When you can't see Him, when you can't feel Him, you can still trust His presence and you can trust His faithfulness. You can trust that whatever journey you're on, He is on that journey with you, whatever that journey is called. If that journey is called cancer, God is with you on that journey. If that journey is called divorce, God is with you on that journey. If that journey is called reconciliation, He is there with you on that journey. If that journey is called depression, if that journey is called addiction or even recovery, God is there on that journey and He knows your capacity for faithfulness even better than you know yourself. There's an amazing detail here at the beginning of the passage, and I don't want you to miss it. It's in verses 17 and 18. It's one of the things that we might just overlook, might not even notice it's there. But look at what's said in verses 17 and 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although 
that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. The way of the Philistines would have been easier. It was a shorter journey. It was an easier journey. It would have been much better to go that way. But there was a greater chance of them encountering the Philistines if they traveled that path. The Philistines would spot them traveling uh, their path. And the Philistines will show up later, that warring nation that does nothing but make trouble for Israel all through the Old Testament. It would have been shorter and easier, but they might have had to fight And God knew that fighting so soon after leaving Egypt could easily discourage His people. They could lose confidence and they could lose hope. And they might even opt to hang their heads and go sulking back into Egypt and back into slavery, back into oppression. Did you notice what He even says in verse 18? They were equipped. They were equipped for battle. They were armed. They had what they needed. They had swords. They had spears. They had helmets. They had shields. They had everything they needed for battle, but they weren't ready here yet. They didn't have the heart for battle. There are things that that you and I pray for. There are things that we long to see in our own lives. There's things that we long to see for our families. There's things that we long to see for our church and our community. And sometimes we pray and pray and we say, come on, God, what is taking so long? We've been praying about this For years, why can't we move ahead? Why can't we see this happen? Why can't we get past this? And this passage shows us that the answer is mercy. The answer is grace. Never forget that God knows you. He knows what you're capable of doing. He knows when you are capable of doing it. He will never lead us beyond the capacity that He knows we have to follow. That's that's not to restrict us. That's not to keep us from serving. That's not to keep us from growing and and doing something new. It's a matter of trust. It also allows us to trust His promises beyond our own abilities. Talked about Joseph a little bit. Remember Joseph. It was Joseph who got God's people into Egypt. It was Joseph who was second only to Pharaoh. But that was 400 years ago. And for 400 years, they've been treated worse and worse. They are slaves. But in all those years, all those years before, Joseph knew that God would be faithful. Joseph knew that they wouldn't be in Egypt forever. Verse 19 tells us that Moses acted not only on his own faithfulness to God's call to lead his people out of Egypt, but also on Joseph's faithfulness to know that God would do something new. Verse 19 is actually a quote from the end of Genesis. When Joseph is about to die, he tells his brothers and his sons and his grandsons and his great-grandsons to to do something. Verse 19 is quoted in Hebrews chapter 11, that great hall of faith, as the greatest and most faithful thing that Joseph did. You think about all that Joseph experienced, but in Hebrews chapter 11, the hallmark of Joseph's faith is quoted uh, from verse 19 here. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph 
had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, this is quoting Joseph, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry my bones with you from here. Joseph trusted God. Joseph knew it would happen. They would leave Egypt. They would enter the promised land. But Joseph also knew that he would never live to see it. So he tells them, he makes them promise, take my bones with you. Now, on a very sentimental level, we could understand that as Joseph saying, I don't want to be buried in Egypt. You take me with you and you bury me someplace where you can bring me flowers and you, know, you can come visit me. And you know, I just want to, be where, I want to be where you are. But on another level, Joseph is saying, don't forget me. Don't forget my faith. I am a part of this journey. Long after I'm dead and gone, my faith will still be a part of what God is doing among you. Think about that. I think about those who have gone on before us, those that we have lost. And I think about how their faith still speaks volumes to who we are and what we're doing. Their faithfulness still speaks. I think about how we don't leave them buried back in Egypt. You know what I mean? We don't just leave them back there where we used to be. Think about our own Joseph. Think about Joe Harmon. And I think Joe Harmon would say, like Joseph in the Bible, don't leave me buried back in Egypt. Joe would say, don't leave me buried back in the parking lot. (laughs) Don't leave me back there in that old building. Take me with you. Take my faith with you. Like, Like Joseph, Joseph was a dreamer. God honored his dreams. I think Joe... I think Joe dreamed of a day like this in a new building, a new place with new life, new vitality, new vibrancy going on, new people. I think Joe prayed for what we're seeing today. I'm not saying that Joe prayed for the fire, but I'm not saying he didn't, okay? I think there's a chance that our our friend Joe may have prayed for God to stir us up and wake us up. But beyond that, I think about Bob and Peggy Decker. I think about Gladys. I think about uh, Bill Carrion, I think about Butch Bennett, I think about Kenny Bennett, I think about Tom Bennett, I think about Iva Spies. I know they prayed for us. I know they prayed beyond what they would see in their own lifetimes. They prayed for us to be faithful. They prayed for us to serve. They prayed for us to move in God's timing and in God's way. And I wonder, whose prayers are we fulfilling today? Whose prayers are you fulfilling today by just being here? Who prayed for you to end up in church? Who prayed for you to end up faithful? Who prayed for you to end up serving? Whose prayers are we fulfilling today? Whose faith continues to drive us? God is leading us in some new places and and in some new ways. Are we faithful to follow Him? You know, back in September, we spent the month talking about giving, and we passed out these commitment cards and asked you to commit to giving to the church. The vast majority, the overwhelming majority of cards that came back were people who committed to tithing to God's work in this church, to giving at least 10%. People who committed to the tithe in this church. Now, maybe that was, maybe that was your first time you'd ever committed to tithing. Some of you said, this is my first time. Some of you committed to giving generously beyond the tithe. But let me tell you something, your responses blew us away. I shared those responses with the elders. 
I read card after card after card off of them, not with names, but just with that, those, those commitments that you had made. And they were blown away at your commitment. You get it. You are trusting God's leading. Now, November is the month in which we make our commitment to missions, to what this church is involved in globally, the way that we share the good news of Jesus Christ both here in the United States and around the world, and we're excited about that. We're excited to see where God is leading us and how He will bless us beyond our own abilities in the coming year and, and through this world. Like God's people here, in many ways, we find ourselves in new places with, with new expressions of our faithfulness to God. Some of those can be terrifying. And sometimes we stop and we say, are we doing the right thing? Uh, are we going the right way? And the great promise here, though, is that we can find peace in knowing that God will always go before us. When was the last time you did something for the first time? And was that something a move of faith? Maybe the last time you did something for the first time was that commitment you made to tithing, to trusting God with that 10% gift. Maybe the last time you did something for the first time was that commitment to go beyond the tithe and give generously beyond that. Maybe it's something much more personal than just money, though. Maybe it's a deeper commitment, a call to follow more closely. But whatever it was, it might have been frightening, You've never done that before. You've never gone this way before. And this passage reminds us that there is never a time when we cannot trust God's leading. Look at verses 20 through 22. 20 through 22 tells us, And they moved on from Succoth, and they encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord, what did the Lord do? He went before them by day, in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. And the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. It's a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, so they could travel by day or night. In other words, there was never a day so bright and clear that they couldn't see God's leading, that they were distracted by the other things they could see. There was never a day so clear that they couldn't see where God was leading. There was never a night so dark that they had to stop following God and try to find their own way or that they just stayed in one place. God was before them. They could always follow Him and we have that same promise. We can always trust that God goes before us. All we have to do is commit to following Him. Now that can be tough. Because sometimes, sometimes things are clear. They are just as, as clear as daylight to us. And we think we can see so clearly. Some things, sometimes things are so clear, we know the right way. We don't need to look for the cloud. We don't need to look for where God is. We can obviously see the answer and the direction where we should go. We don't even stop to consider. We don't even stop to pray. We don't stop to ask, are we sure that's where God's leading us? There's other times when it's so dark, when we're in a, such a dark place in our lives and things just seem so black and murky that we're paralyzed. 
and we're afraid to do anything. We're afraid to, to go anywhere. We're afraid to make any move because we're afraid we're going to make a step, so a misstep. So, so we quit doing anything and we quit following. We just stop. But this passage teaches us God always goes before us. We can never find ourselves in a place of such clarity and light where we don't need to follow God's leading. We can never find ourselves in a place of such darkness that God cannot lead us. God always goes before us. We can always trust His presence. We can always trust His leadership. Now, lest you might think, Brett, that story is 3,000 years old. That is an old, dusty story from the Old Testament. I mean, it's way back there from the beginning. What does that have to do with you and me? Let me read something else for you. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. The Apostle Paul is quoting not just from what we've just read, but from the experiences of the Exodus, the whole Exodus story. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, speaking to the church, he says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our fathers were all under the cloud. What cloud? That cloud that led them by day. That pillar of cloud, that pillar of fire. Our fathers were all under the cloud, and all of them passed through the sea. That happens in the next chapter. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate of the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. That pillar of cloud, that pillar of fire, that way that was made through the Red Sea as the sea was opened up, that water that they drank when Moses spoke to the rock, the manna that fell from heaven. Paul is saying that in a very real way, that was Jesus. You saw something of Jesus and something of the way that He continues to work in you. Those stories are for us to learn from, to learn what kind of God we follow. God goes before you. He is preparing you today for tomorrow's challenges. He will never lead you someplace that He doesn't go first. He is preparing a way for you, preparing a way for your family. He's preparing a way for our church, for our community. Whatever He's taking you through today, you can know His presence. You can know His leadership. You can trust Him. So the next time you do something for the first time, You'll know you're not flying blind. You know that you're not alone. And you can allow Him to let you get from here to there. Let's all stand together as we pray. Father, we can look back. We can look back as a church. We can look back as individuals, as families. And we can see so much of what You have led us through. You led us through a fire. You led us through some difficult times. Father, You've led us through illness. You've led us through cancer. You've led us through tragedy and and through loss. You've also led us through amazing blessings. We can't look forward. We can't look forward and see what's ahead. We don't know what challenges or blessings are before us, but we know You. And we know that as we follow You, You go ahead of us to lead 
and prepare the way, and in so many ways to prepare our hearts for those challenges that we will face. We thank you that you've shown us again and again that we can trust you. We pray for strength for each one of us here to follow faithfully as we get from here to there. And we thank you most of all for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.